Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is good friend, Evan Kubasek. Evan, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be back. And it's, uh, yeah, as he mentioned, he is a repeat guest. We've had very, very few of those in our, in our three-year history, but uh, this is one that I am looking forward so much to, to, to hear, a, hear a unique story. This is a very special episode, and I encourage our listeners to listen to the entire episode. Uh, most of the time they do. I mean, our, our metrics are great. It's a, you know, when they start listening, they listen through, but this is a really unique episode. But before we get into that, Evan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Career path is not, not normal or typical, but like, like I said, you know, I think every, every guest has that kind of trajectory. So not nothing unique and special about, you know, having an odd career path. My, um, I, I started off really wrestling with entrepreneurship, but then specifically entrepreneurship that had a you know, purpose and a meaning behind it. When I was in college, my wife and I, my wife and I were married young. We helped our friends open a coffee shop and, um, we wanted it to have a, a social impact to it. So it was really hard. I, I struggled. I went back and forth all the time between doing unique, fun things to love our customers, but then fighting with QuickBooks in, in the back and, you know, counting bagels in the back. And, and when you're counting bagels and QuickBooks, you're not loving people. And when mm. you're loving people, your accounting's falling apart. So I really felt kind of torn. Everything was kind of back and forth all the time for that five-year period. And then we got into more um, international social entrepreneurship, faith was a big part of that as well. So working in more non-for-profit communities, a lot of, a lot of faith-driven uh, people and, and wrestling with business. And I, so I have a much more integrated model uh, around business, social impact and business and social entrepreneurship. Uh, probably the most notable thing, we lived overseas, mostly in Asia and Africa. The fact that we both learned Spanish did very little for us. <laughs> very helpful. Very helpful. And I was like, Nepali, Nepali taxi drivers don't speak Spanish, apparently. <laughs> even as, much, as much as you, even if you talk louder, it doesn't <laughs> help, right? right? Um, so we, we spent a lot of time, probably the largest amount of our time was spent in Nepal working with a, an impact sourcing company. So a tech company using crowdsourcing, but a really powerful social impact model where we had, we, we, went, we scaled up to over 3,000 workers and they were using their own time, their own money and their own earnings and serving their community and coming up with social service projects that they wanted to do. And this is a for-profit company doing work for US and European companies, right? but, uh, but doing good work of their own accord because they wanted to be leaders. They wanted to address poverty in their own essence. So kind of um, a micro-tasking type yeah, platform. Yeah, like a micro-tasking platform and a crowdsourcing model. But it was a crowdsourcing model with known people. It wasn't an anonymous crowd. It was right. people we had relationship with and this team-based model. So there are a lot of things I've been able to learn, experience, and see over the years, interacted with international relief organizations like the World Bank and Rockefeller Foundation and you know, got to see the back the back behind the curtains yeah. of how all this stuff goes down and some really great stories and some really awful stories. Sometimes the waste that, and inefficiency oh and goodness, yeah, all the yeah. above. Yeah. The wildest one was a, um, the, the tsunami hit Indonesia in 2005, mm -hmm. I believe. Right. A relief agency that had to spend their economic development money because it's time-based and it's specifically to a specific fund and everything was free. So there was no economy to stimulate because everyone's getting free stuff. They actually had to pay people to come to computer training because everyone was doing computer and English training, 
So the locals were saying like, what do you pay us to come to your training, right? It was this wild. So they ended up, they ended up, they had this money to spend and uh, they rented a helicopter, loaded it with cash, flew it over the refugee camp and dropped it. That was their economic development. So I'm thinking of the turkey drop with WKRP. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least, at least no turkeys were, were harmed in the filming of this uh, relief program. But uh, so yeah, so you know, I've had this tech background, this this relief background, this educational background. Um, we since returned by about five years ago now. My wife and I've been married 20 years this this summer. Congratulations. Four boys. She's amazing. My wife's amazing. She had four boys, you know, so it's- You did of, outkick your coverage, my friend. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, you know- <laughs> Like me. Quiet and drawing and, you know, art projects. Like, it's absolutely not. We recently bought some airsoft guns this past month. And so we, now we shoot each other in the backyard. So it's just, <laughs> we have we have lots, lots of fun. Family bonding time. Yeah, absolutely. Family bonding time. Nothing like shooting your children, you know, which- uh, which, <laughs> which For a good cause. That's yeah, right. which will come up later in this episode is something you shouldn't do, right? But- uh, um, You just got yeah. censored. Because yeah, I'd probably just censored myself. Like everyone's tuned out. Like, all right, we're done with this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I teach. I teach uh, at local university. I'm an entrepreneurship and marketing professor. I do a lot of social entrepreneurship consulting and coaching. Uh, you know, I go. My alter ego is Coach K. I uh, I fancy myself as the Indiana Jones of entrepreneurship. You know, he was a history professor, but he did really fun stuff internationally. And I'm and I'm a business professor that does a really fun social entrepreneurial go into the into the extreme parts of the world and partner on projects and do things like that. Here, here is my, uh, here, here's the background hope for this episode. I've, I've noticed there's been a lot of Australian listeners and participants <laughs> of the, and I've never been to Australia. So if yep. you'd love to have me come and talk about social impact, social entrepreneurship, I'm, I'm open to come to Australia at any time, you know, leaving provide America, the ticket in the hotel and you're there. America currently sounds like a really great thing. <laughs> exactly. That's right. We'll share all our experiences. That's right. I, I but know it has I to could, be on site. I took my, my wife and kids are totally on board with that too. Just sign us up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell me what, uh, what you're kind of gravitated toward recently and, and uh, you know, are your, any of your students involved in this kind of new new venture you've launched? Yeah, I've. I mean, the idea ideation and having new entrepreneurial ideas is just it's just kind of second nature. It's I can't not see problems and try to solve them and yep. think of a business model to do it. And especially now with you know business models applied to social problems. Um, so as as an entrepreneurship professor, I teach entrepreneurship classes all the time. Students come up with I, they I walk them through a business model canvas and a lean startup approach, and you know they've got to pitch something every semester and every semester some students wants to do an app but they have no clue you know what they're doing or even how to do it the mechanics of it they just know that you can but that's about it and you know, I've, I've worked in the tech company i've worked with people that have launched apps i've worked with developers so i know the methodology and but I don't, i'm not a developer i'm not a coder um, i don't have the attention span to do that nor the perseverance you know it's god bless you guys i love you for what you do but i can't do it um, so i decided to say like well let, let me just try it how hard is it really to get an app up? And um, I, ended up, I ended up coming across a website that allows you to buy apps or buy a software as a service platform. Like you can buy an existing digital business model that has revenue, just like real estate. And uh, so, I, so I did it. The cheapest thing to buy was apps. I'm, I'm a very much a cheap frugal type of guy. Uh, been debt free, stay debt free. Um, built our house that way, traveled the world that way. So we don't, we don't have a lot, but whatever we have, we own. So we are very wow. rich in, in, in that regard. So I was like, what's the cheapest way to get started? And so I bought an app 
Um, and then I realized, hey, I could build an app. I could buy a template for an app. And I, I could hire a developer overseas to, to build and customize an app. So I ended up, I, mean, I own three or four games at this point that are live on um, one that's live on Google Play and, and iOS at the same time. But I didn't do much with it. It's kind of like I built it proved that I could do it, monetized it, it has ads, it can make money. And then it's kind of like, you know, Christmas toys. They're just, you know, yeah. I'm done with it. I move on to the yeah. next thing. Um, but I, I really had to wrestle. I, I, I ended up going a much bigger story around something and pursued that for a little bit, but I never, I never developed that because it, it was too big. Um, so I came back to like, what do I already have? I think that's a lot of things that I, I've seen, especially in the development world, is that it's, we need to bring people resources because they can't do anything by themselves, rather than saying like, what assets do they already have? And I had these assets, right? I have these digital assets of mobile games, but I didn't care enough about them because I only care about something if it's gonna accomplish something beyond profit. Mm. It's like, profit's great, I love profit, for profit, I teach how to do it. And I think it's one of the most powerful ways to solve social problems is a for-profit model. But I, what I, I had the for-profit piece, but I didn't have the social problem that I wanted to tackle, so I didn't care. Um, and so I, I kind of circled back to this idea of uh, how could we use this to be able to, to tackle human trafficking as an issue. And then I came back to my students this year at, at, at the university, Eastern Illinois University that I teach at. I'm the advisor for the Entrepreneurship Club. And I asked my students, would you want to do this with me? And they were on board. They, they loved it. They, they've been helping me this entire time um, to be able to take a, take a game. So the game is called Spike Shot. It's a casual mobile game. Um, the ideal demographic for casual mobile games. Have you have you seen this data before? Have, I'm, I'm not sure all of your listeners might because it shocked me. I couldn't believe it. So when I think of someone that plays games all the time in their phone, and I, maybe you too, like who, who's the who's who's the person you probably think is the biggest demographic of people playing a game on their phone? I I mean, like I I uh, just have to guess, like teenage boys. Yeah, I mean, that's what we think as teenagers are the ones on the phone yep. a lot. Um, it's actually women. Women, more middle-aged women is the largest demographic of casual game players. And they don't consider themselves gamers. They don't consider themselves as one that play, play a lot of games, but that's what the data shows. And um, to, to pair that demographic with an issue that they probably care deeply about, like right. human trafficking, yeah. it just seemed like this perfect match uh, to bring these two things together. So we, yeah, we have a game. The tagline is you, you play and traffickers pay. It's a free game, but as the ads pop up, uh, between the end the end of 2020, all profit, 100% of the profit from the game goes completely to the funding of anti-human trafficking work. We've partnered with a group called All Things Possible. A lot of former US Special Forces, they, they go and they use their data and they use their skill set and they find traffickers and they bring them to justice. And they also do the rehabilitation piece as well for the people stuck mm -hmm. in a trapping. So it's, it's a beautiful, amazing story um, going after this horrible thing that shouldn't exist, uh, but it does with, uh, and kind of making fun out of it. You know, it's the, I, I, that's some of the criticism that I've received is that I'm not treating the, I'm not treating the issue with enough seriousness and uh, I'm not treating with, you know, with, with the, you know, the sadness it deserves. And like, it's, I'd rather fight it with fun. I'd rather fight it with joy. I think the more people can rally around something that's positive than rally around something that just makes them feel bad. We should feel bad. We should, as a, as a, as a, as humanity, we should be very embarrassed that this thing exists. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to stay sad all the time that uh, we can, we can go after it with a, with a powerful um, emotion of, of happiness. I mean, and joy and fun. sad and guilt are terrible motivators. 
Yeah, I mean, on long term, they 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 have a very short shelf life, and not that not that you're in any way making fun of the issue, but no, those are those are really two separate issues. Yeah. The fun of the game is just keeping people engaged for the serious purpose of fighting trafficking on the back end of this. So, Absolutely. Um, how did how did you vet? You know who? I mean, you mentioned that you know there are so many people trying to attack this in different yeah. ways. How did you vet who you were going to support through this? My uh, so yeah, my introduction was it was a personal one. I I do have a a friend, family friend. Um, it's you know he's he doesn't I can't say his name. He doesn't want to ever tell any stories. You know, he's just gonna, in in the shadows, but former special forces himself, like the top of the top. There was there was no there was no level to go up to from where he finished at. Like he was he was in the most critical missions that the U.S. had to offer. He was that was his team, and uh, I met him at a mixing event with other adults, husband and wife sitting around talking, social setting. This guy is sweating bullets. He's just as nervous as you can possibly be. No pun be. intended. No That's pun right. intended. He's just, he's just like totally just out of his element and just super uncomfortable. Um, and you know, social settings like that, you know, social talking people is not, I, I, I have fun. I excel in that environment. This guy, you could, he could, he could jump off of a helicopter full speed with, with, with explosives on his back and, uh, and, and shoot 10 terrorists and that would be Tuesday morning for him like that's that's not but this this living room experience was the most stressful thing he's come across for a while um so I, I trust him with my life and uh he had someone that he'd served with that was involved in anti-trafficking work and said this is the guy you need to work with so I, I reached out to them I talked to them heard their story looked at what they did there some of the recent projects even in the U.S. They, they're international um, but recently they worked with U.S. Federal Marshals. There was a big sting operation that happened yeah. in Ohio uh, back in October, and they made that possible. So they That's are amazing. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. These guys, it's called all things possible. Yeah. So every, it's not just every, anecdotal. I mean, they, yeah, no, it's not anecdotal. This is, this is, yeah, this is legitimate support, documented yeah. work that they right. do. And uh, they're working, working with U.S. Um, armed forces uh, to be armed forces and, and um, law enforcement agencies law enforcement, to, right. to, to deal with these issues. So tell me what what's kind of the process of uh, I mean just let's let's talk more about the the app store you know engaging yeah. you know creating an app getting it on mm -hmm. the app store how do you market it how do you how do you kind of get momentum you know behind a new because it's it's you know you just throw it in an ocean of a million apps <laughs> I mean, you know how does it how does it rise to the top so to speak yeah yeah let's see uh there's a really creative creativity Inc is a really great book that I read a couple of years ago been kind of the back end of Pixar. And uh, one, of the, one of the expressions within Pixar is the ugly babies and protecting people's ugly babies. Like a new movie idea is an ugly baby. No one else thinks it's cute, but you do, right? So yeah, throwing my app into the Play Store, that's the ugly baby out in the room. And there's a lot of other ones. And the, the amount of download, the amount of attention you have to get is in the scale of a million plus to even get mm. any type of notice whatsoever. So there's a lot of work. And that was, that was part of the demotivator for me. Like, yeah, this is great. Maybe I could create some residual income for myself and I can make 50 to $100 a month just to be super easily. Like, yeah, you could if you put a lot of work into it to get it to that point. And yeah. I just don't care enough, right? Um, so you have to get a lot of downloads. And that's either, you know, organic downloads is the best way to do that. So organic means that people are finding it of their own accord somehow. And, they're, and the most powerful thing is when people search for it. So- mm. You know, if, if people really want to get on board and help us in this in the short with this with this project, it's go to your app store and type in spike space shot spike shot search for it, download two it and words. play it. Yep. Yeah, two words and play it. 
Um, direct links to apps are good, but you know, a direct search for something and then a download, that's because that tells the back end, that tells the algorithm of all platforms. This is something people are searching for because they've seen it, they've heard it, someone's told them about it, they want to play it, and then it's going to start recommending to other people. But like I said, I mean, the scale, you have to get a massive scale for really something like that to, to truly take off. But it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing how simple of games really become popular. Yeah. They're not, they're not highly yeah. complex. They just have to be designed well. And they have right. to move, move well uh, right. for people who want to play them. And um, Spike Shot's not the most amazing thing in the world, but it's, a, but it's a decent game. It's a fun game to play. It's a simple enough game to play. And, uh, but, it's, but it's also tight. It's from, the, from the marketing professional side of me, I'm really curious because in my track record in social entrepreneurial businesses is that the social piece is rarely enough to get anyone to buy. Yep. No one cares, honestly. They, they have the quality has to be there. And the social piece is just kind of like the icing on the cake that makes them willing to maybe tell a friend about it. So I'm assuming that a lot of ways that's going to be true with this, but I'm hoping that it's not. I'm hoping we can break the mold with this one and say maybe in the mobile gaming space people were willing to play because there's so many mobile games that are all the same there's copies of them my kids go through they change apps and games on their tablets faster than they change their socks and their underwear yeah i mean there's just <laughs> new games every single day down like that ones are good so there's this massive flow through i think of apps and games and um why not you know why not something that's tied to something really good get into the mix did you think about a Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo or something like that on the, on the front end of this, or what would be the advantages this, or disadvantages yeah, so of that? This is actually, this is actually um, I skipped a whole middle part of the story. So the middle part of the story is, so I created, I created the game and to create the game, you have to get a game trailer and to make a game game trailer, you have to get, you know, music behind it and a logo. So I ended up falling in love with Fiverr and mildly addicted to it in some form, high, high, contracting Fiverr contractors, which for me in America is great because a lot of them are based overseas. So I get mm -hmm. to send it off. I wake up in the morning and I look at my phone and there's my new baby has been created. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's all there. So like I created the game trailer and got the logo and got fun background music. And then I'm like, hey, I'll create a YouTube channel too. So I have a, a YouTube channel with copyright free music. So I was doing all these things. But once again, it's like, just, it's fun. It's good skills. I learned a lot. I'm able to pass it on to my students, which I think every professor teacher should you know do then teach um, as much as you can but it wasn't enough so I think wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be amazing if you could actually play a game where you did rescue people mm, where you actually yeah. got into the story and you really dealt with all the the issues of this and and to do that well like yeah that's a that's a massive million like dollar Fortnite for a good kid. cause yeah yeah type thing and uh, so I my, my teenage sons are they're amazing my, my oldest son has written two books. My 14 year old's already written, written one. He should be going to like this open mic stand-up comedy thing. Like they do really fun, cool things, way cooler than me. I was talking to my son the other day. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to try to get a short story published in New Yorker. <laughs> I was like, dude, when I was 16, I was like, should I work part-time at Arby's or not? <laughs> Arby's was, and McDonald's. That's that, right. was, that was the biggest the dilemma that I faced. Not am I going to get a short story published in a national magazine. <laughs> so there, so I was like, you know, I asked my ass like, can we do, I, one of the things as a family, we try to do as much as we can together. That it's not like you go off and do your thing, you go off and do your thing. It's, we try to live integrated as a family. We all tackled. When we went overseas, it wasn't just me. We all moved overseas. You know, when I was working in a tech startup in Nepal, 
they came to lunch every day. They, they loved our employees. Our employees loved them. It was just, it was, it was a thing we do together. So I wanted to engage them in this idea of a game where we, yeah, you play it as a character. The Venn diagram that I draw for this game idea is a Tomb Raider meets Taken meets Invictus. Mm. You know, this strong character, possibly even a female character lead, um, meets someone that wants to go out and just deal vengeance to those that are doing these types of evil atrocities in the trafficking environment. But there's, there's this realization dawns on you as you start to impact this and get into the space that there's, there's not enough bullets in the world to deal with human trafficking. That's like the starfish and spider thing that if you cut off one, it's going to pop up and it's, it's too decentralized. It's too networked. It's too advanced. Mm. There's too much money. When we're talking a multi-billion dollar industry and um, it's just not going to happen that way that uh, one of the most powerful weapons of warfare that we actually have is the one we're least likely to employ and that's forgiveness. Wow. So I, I, I wanted to, I, I still believe that there's a, there's a opportunity and a space out there for a game that brings people in, they go out and they get to do vengeance. They go out to shoot the bad guy. Um, but eventually the game starts punishing them point wise. They don't get as enough points. They don't, they don't pass a level until they start to really deal with some of these broader issues of the cause and effect, the supply and the demand. And, uh, I mean, hurt people hurt people. Um, there's a reason why traffickers are traffickers. And it's not just because they were born evil. It was that, you know, things have happened in their life um, that they've, they've let grow. Like, and everyone's responsible for their own behavior. So I'm, I'm not I'm not doing that whatsoever. Um, but there is this reality that uh, we can do better. And, um, and forgiveness is probably one of the most powerful tools that I know of that will ever be able to conquer this thing. I mean, as you're, you're talking about, I'm thinking, you know, just kind of the redemptive, you know, nature of, of that whole ideology you're going. So yeah, if in the game I'm, I'm killing someone, I'm, I may be taking them out of the mix, but I'm not changing the environment at all. Nothing changes, you know, nothing changes other than they're no longer there. Yeah. But you know, the, the idea of forgiveness is, is like contagious and can then impact other other people in that that same space and can grow kind of like a honeycomb you know grows and instead of just you know like you said just trying to you know out whack a mole with starfish you know yeah. or you know you're whacking arms off the starfish but he's growing them back you know just continually grow you know growth mode and and um yeah i, I just love the whole whole idea behind that so Kind of un, as you're as you're talking to people, I mean, is that resonating with 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 an, an audience? Oh yeah, yeah. People people have definitely resonated with that. But as so as we started to explore that more, like to start interviewing people and um, talking to people involved in these spaces, I've, I've had some phone interviews with people that are on the front lines rescuing and and in the back end, like the back end data analytics of what's going on mm -hmm. in this whole industry, of being able to track the movements of things, track postings of things. Um, is it's it's really it's really impressive. Um, one of the, a lot a lot of lessons learned. Um, I mean, I had, I had put this game like so. This is this is Project Red Light. This is a project that I do want to build. I don't have the resources or the time or the people involved, the team to be able to do this yet. I, mean, I want to do it with my sons, but I don't want my you know to be the story and art director to dive into this. It's yeah. too dark. It's yeah. no. It's too dark for any human being. No one right. should have to learn this stuff. Unfortunately, we do. 
Um, but I definitely don't think it's appropriate for teenagers to have to, to wrestle with this. So that's, uh, that's part of the challenge too, is how do we create a game that allows people to recognize that there is this evil in the world and to do something with it. But because that style of game is not 40 year old women. That, that right. is the teenagers that, right. are, that are playing those styles of games. And they're seeing this horrific content anyways. I mean, the, if parents only knew what their kids are playing and seeing yeah. right now, um, they would yeah. be utterly shocked. So so I do want to I do want to create that space and some so yeah a lot of lessons learned in that area a lot of a lot of a lot of people in that get welcomed into a trafficking environment are welcomed in thinking that they're being helped by their trafficker yeah the traffickers isolated yeah. them from their family their friends and their network and uh, they 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 presented themselves as this person that's helping them so if we show up and say I'm here to help you that's the same line that brought them in yep yeah I mean like I, that blew my mind to think about. Even if I show up as a savior to come in and help someone in the trafficking situation, that's that's why I was really fascinated with the idea of like, what would it look like? Unfortunately, many times a lot of women are brought in by other women too. I don't think we realize that. A lot of teenage girls are brought into trafficking because they're recruited by another teenage girl that already has been trafficked. Mm. It's a, it's just pure evil. It's there's, yeah. just, there's nothing redeemable about the whole industry and how it operates whatsoever. And uh, that's, that's why forgiveness is so... It's, you know, if we go, if we go eighties on it, it's such a radical thing. It's like, you can't ignore forgiveness in the face of such evil. When someone who just deserves to be just have the most evilest things done to them um, is forgiven. It's shocking. I mean, I think back of, you know, things that happened in South Africa, things that happened in Rwanda. I mean, the only way to get beyond that was through these kind of reconciliation the exactly. reconciliation process and forgiveness and and almost like, like kind of like uh almost amnesty you know mm-hmm. at some level it's a it's amnesty with with an understanding that's that says you know there is a change there's kind of a there's a culture change there's a heart change that is sure. happening in this but i mean, I, 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 I don't i don't think they have to be exclusive but i think i think well, justice and forgiveness can work together sure and i think i think Sometimes I think they have to. They have to. I mean, <laughs> right. many times people, I mean, if, if I'm living above the law for so long, doing whatever I want, I have zero respect for until I've met a force greater than mm-hmm. or equal to myself, I'm not going to stop, right? Yep. So until I'm actually literally stopped, will the idea of forgiveness ever really sink in? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm my own force. I'm my own right. God. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I absolutely. And, I, and it's interesting you were you were talking about your your kids. I mean, I I think about, you know, kind of the the paradox of being a counselor, you know. You you hear these stories all day long of, of you know, just brokenness and just yeah. families that are turmoil and and you know, if you're not careful, you start, you know, personifying all that and and you start living that out even in your own life and it is just it's an incredible burden to carry you know as as, uh you know just as you're talking about i it's really funny as you were talking i'm I'm thinking about you know nothing's wasted you know in our in our previous economy you know and in our in our life history and i'm thinking about is there some way to to kind of bring in the whole crowdsourcing idea to the creation of this thing you know so you're kind of sharing this this you know horrific burden across across a, a wider you know group of people, so nobody's having to carry the bulk of this. You know, yeah, and things. actually there there is there have been stories. Um, and that was even something we looked into at the time with my previous the previous employee, the people that I worked with overseas, is that 
yeah, we had we had you know we had an army of data analysts. We had an army of data entry people that could that could look at data, that could scan profiles. So I know that is happening. I know a lot of the data analytics. So interesting enough. Um, so if you're listening to this, uh, Amazon and, and tech gurus, trafficking support organizations need data, space, and data processing. That's what they were asking for. They say, if we we've got the data, but we don't have any place to store it, we need more. We need we need more analytical power. So that's something that any tech company could say, use our use our storage space, use our yep. processing power to be able to comb through stuff and look for look for relationships and things. I mean, people are already helping out. Like we we reached out to celebrities using like Cameo for some endorsements. So Toby from The Office made a video for us. It's hilarious. He's my new favorite character now. He, he killed it. He did such a great job. <laughs> um, we reached out to a Hallmark star thinking about if my demographic is four-year-old women, then Hallmark is Man, where this time at. of year, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so we reached out to uh, Danica McKellar from Hallmark yeah. Movies. She was Winnie from, uh, um, what is it? no, not going. Oh, I do this all the time. I forget the name. Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. So Winnie from the Wonder Years, that's a Hallmark yep. star. Um, she, she's actually doing her own work around it. There's a lot of people doing good work around it. So, so there is crowdsourcing happen. There's people doing and creating things. My students have created some stuff that we've been able to use. There is also a I'm shamed. I'm I'm embarrassed, honestly, to admit this. Um, I have recently downloaded TikTok, um, and here's why: uh, we I we hired we hired a TikTok influencer. They have two and a half million followers on TikTok, which blows wow. my mind. It's a country music band by the name of Taylor Red. So shout out to the country music stars Taylor Red <laughs> on TikTok. They posted a video within the first week. It only has ninety thousand views of our promo video out there. Um, so that's not the demographic for women, but different people involved. If I go back to the bigger game, like I spike shot and being able to do this is I, I love it. I think it's a fantastic tool. And um, if we go after the bigger, more immersive experience, the whole project red light, playing a game, actually rescuing people idea. Um, I think the idea of being able to play real missions. Yeah. You actually get brought into an actual story and we have to probably redact and like probably even curb some things out because it's too horrible for right. people to really see right. um, but it's a, a, a streamlined version of a story and then even as people play the game and they buy power-ups or they watch as what are you know the monetization of the game you know buy this pack you know five dollars and that money that people buy extra that's what goes in to fund future rescue missions to the point where we'd even be to funnel like the games the levels that people play are levels that were funded by people playing the game. It's mm. just that idea to me, I find fascinating. I think it's an amazing way of, re, you know, redemptive gaming, right? Yep. Take, take something, take a, take a time and space that people are using anyways, and hook it up to something that needs to be solved. Capitalism with a heart. I that's mean, why I love, that's just why I love business in general. I mean, like yep. it's, just, it's just paid problem, problem solving. Right. And there's ways to tie that too. You know, when, when the profit and the purpose complement one another and they stream back together, back and forth. Like I would play that game if I knew that I was playing a game of a real life mission and me playing that mission would fund future missions. I would absolutely play that game in my free time. Absolutely. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I would probably be encouraged to play it more than I would naturally play just just a regular I, game. I don't play those games. I don't play those purpose. games now. But right. if I knew that was a thing, if that yeah. was an actual thing, and and so that's that's why Spike Shots, that's why I love this. Like, it's it's that first step towards that. Like, Spike Shot is that thing. You can yeah. get on your phone right now 
and while you're even listening to this, you can play this game in every, you know, right now through the end of 2020, every single penny, go, I mean, in the future, in 2021, not all of the profits, some of the profits we're going to retain either from, right. you know, because I've got four children or, yeah, right. or, or to go. Daddy's got to eat here. Yeah. Daddy's got to eat. Um, <laughs> I'm a, a social entrepreneur. I'm, I, I believe in profit. Um, so some of the profit will go for us. Some of the profit, hopefully we can funnel back into a, a bigger thing like this and a, a project a red light type thing. But um, yeah, you playing this game is a thing that everyone can do. There's no reason everyone goes to the bathroom and about 90% of you in the bathroom. Take your phone. phone with you. That's right. Got your phone. So, you know, <laughs> take it. a dump on traffickers. So, man, I, I you, you kind of touched on it just now, but, but, you know, take us out of our, of our chat today. Just where is the best place for people to plug in? How can they help? Uh, you know, they, you've kind of touched, you know, kind of touched on something that's really near and dear to them, you know, and they, they, they're ready to, okay, let me, let me kind of explore this a little more. Where's the best sure. place to, to find more information and plug in? Um, searching directly for the app in your app store. So searching for spike space shot, spike shot, two words. That's the best way to get access to playing the game. You can follow along with us with the story um, on Facebook. It's kingdom come one word, two words, but kind of smushed them together. Um, there's a Facebook page, there's a YouTube channel, same thing, kingdom come um, games and music. If they search for that, if you search for spike shot trailer, on YouTube, you'll see the game and you'll see some of the, the celebrity endorsements and cameos up there too. I, I mean, I, I know that I don't know what I'm doing, which is a great thing. I mean, I think there's not, I don't think that I've got this figured out. So if there are audience members, listeners, people that know this space or know how to get this thing up and running or, or really love the Project Red Light idea and want to join, like I am completely open to partnership. I'm, I'm completely open to turn it over to someone that can do it better. Like I have, if someone steals the idea, creates a game that fights human traffickers and funds the people that are doing that, that's an incredible win in my book. It's like there's win, no yeah. one loses in that. Like, right. sure, I would love to be a part of it. I would love to do it and I'd love to see that happen. Um, but I, I, I have no, I have no addiction to, to, my own profit or my own story. Like when we just like the whole premise of this show, you know, we can all win yep. and everyone's going to get better as, as we do that. So if there's people out there that want to join, help out, be a part of it, you know, bring me to Australia, wink, wink, um, and talk about <laughs> stuff. I'm open to that. You know, we can, we can make that happen. Shameless plug number two. <laughs> All right, so, man. It's uh, it's it's been really been a pleasure to catch up again, and it, it's always a delight for me to uh, to have a Coach K encounter and with my friend Evan Kubasek. And Evan, thank you for for just joining us today. And man, I I cannot stress how important I think this is that that the work that you're involved in, you and your family have have kind of stepped into and I encourage all of our listeners to support this with everything they have. But just thank you for for just taking the time and just sharing your heart with us and and you know your your strategy behind this and really just helping all boats rise at a rising tide. Evan, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.